Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Lumos. Hello, friends. Welcome back to Shell Cottage Radio. I'm your host, Ezra, a.k.a. Bill, also known as Sir Ezra, the watchful history of magic professor, the flannel wizard, the man with pep, obviously, <laughs> yours truly, me. Please welcome your lovely design witch, the fascination of fourth year, and my wonderful co-host, wink, wink, and yours, Lottie, a.k.a. Fleur. Einen wunderbaren guten Tag. We are so happy that you're here. Come on in, make yourself at home in our beautiful little cottage on the outskirts of Tinworth. This is episode number 70 of Shell Cottage Radio, and this week we will talk about chapter 13 of Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, Gryffindor versus Ravenclaw. Wow. As always, we'll start with our cottage catch-up, train for future Turia Nights, and do our best to learn more about magical and fantastic animals. Cottage catch-up, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I just want to. I just want to point out something. We always say, you know, that we're happy to have you here. Come on in, make yourself at home. And what I mean by that is like. Take your shoes up before you walk on the carpet, please. <laughs> but you can put your feet on the coffee table, all right? That's sort of my thing, right? Take like your it. shoes off, put your feet up, right? get you a drink, sit on the couch, watch some football. Sunday afternoon, we're recording and watching football at the same time. This is this is how you do it, people. You record your podcast and it's you watch great. your favorite sports team. It's so fitting because we have a sports match in this chapter. I know, right? So we actually, yeah, it's great. Yeah, thank you. For justifying why I have <laughs> no, the, yeah, the game on the side. <laughs> uh, but I'm doing great. Thank you so much good. for asking. Um, also, fantastic. friends, it is. It sounded like, okay, good, good, good. Also, friends. Also. <laughs> I didn't even let you finish. It sounded so bad. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. You fi- I-, I thought you were done. This sounds authentic. You... Oh, Slam. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hey. really how she talks to him all the time. Oh, my God. That's not true. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. What are you, your, your mind is somewhere. What is it? What are you saying? I just wanted to point out that it is only 43 days until Christmas. And I said only, but when I say 43 days, I look at it and I'm like, that feels like a lot of days, actually. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Because when you look at the days and weeks like a teacher does and you're like, okay, Thanksgiving, it's only seven days away, seven more days of school, right? Like school days where we have to go to school. Then it's Thanksgiving break. Then we have another shorter week. And in December, we only have two full weeks. So actually, if you start, like you start counting weeks in like full weeks, do we have a full week or do we have like one little day? And let me tell you that one little day makes all the difference sometimes. Yeah. Because as a teacher, you just feel like you want to be ready every day and ready to go and entertain and you know yeah. make fun lessons. Here we go, guys. I want you to get really pumped about this thing that I know you're not pumped about. You guys get ready for I this, know. okay? <laughs> I know you guys are going to love it. Trust me. And sorry for those of you that aren't because you <laughs> have to, okay? 
And our Hogwarts teachers probably know what we're talking about. Oh, they know what's up. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine how tired McGonagall and Snape were probably just like, they get to break and they're like, man. I was going to talk about that, by the way, in this chapter. Oh, you were? Okay. Yes. Because we have one teacher who shows us how tired she is. So. Yeah. Also, I just wanted to say that you definitely pulled. I always tell my teacher friends this, and I haven't told Lottie this yet, but I try just shy. People get kind of like, oh, you teachers, oh my gosh, just just go take your Christmas break, buddy. Why don't you? Oh, yeah, I know. I know. I know. We know um, we have breaks and they're good and they're We want to say that we're grateful for our job, but I also want to invite you to come take over my classroom whenever (laughs) you would like. Yes. (laughs) That'd be cool to do just just like a. job exchange day mm. where you could just take I over someone else's job and see what they where they actually go through every day yeah we talk about this and all I, the time yeah all, not like, just like, teachers but others too all jobs i yeah. mean i think uh, so I'm, i work at the high school level and i'm constantly telling kids i'm asking like hey what do you want to do and they're talking about like engineering um they're talking about uh, architecture yeah, or something in so the medical field and you're like what does a day look like mm-hmm. in that field someone's right. a project manager okay what do you do uh, someone's a firefighter. Awesome. Okay, what is that like? Yeah. So, yeah. But in general, we're so happy, grateful for our weekends um, because, you know, we work a lot during the week and then the weekends are just so, they're like a sanctuary for me where we can get up, have some good food, watch some sports on the side, get ready for a podcast or meet up with family and friends and just, just be Sometimes you just hey. want to be. Right. Sometimes you just want to be. We uh, there, there was a Potter event that actually happened this weekend. It was down in Ironton, Ohio. Oh, yeah. That's right. And so shout out to our friends, uh, Swish and Flick, Tiffany, Megan, and Katie, who were down there. They also just invited us out. And unfortunately, we had, we had plans uh, this weekend, so we weren't able to go. Uh, but uh, yeah, apparently they had a blast, and it was, it, was, it, was, it was fun. It's just like... Our weekends are, as you said, a sanctuary, and we're kind of like, yeah. my goodness, we need to just uh, reserve a little time to kind of um, rest, recoup, and then plan, podcast. Yeah. We have a whole second like side job that we do yes. on the weekend. Yes. And I said like earlier, we, I think you were making lunch, and I was like, can I just sit down for two hours on the weekend because don't, we don't really do that do we no Mm-mm. i mean we, we say nope. you just said this kind of like a oh we, we like recoup and we kind of sit you know we, we it's a sanctuary but it's really like we go to a different place where we're just creative yeah right we're creative yep. and we try to make ideas or shorts or videos or ambience things and stuff like that and so uh it's kind of what we're yeah and what it's we're doing so crazy how the creative juices they're flowing so much more when you're in a not in a stressful environment yeah true it's crazy how much how many more ideas i get on the weekend right when i have the headspace and just they say out of boredom is where the most creative ideas come really or in the shower i don't know <laughs> really no i mean they mean yeah i, know what, you I think what they mean yeah it's like the pause in between when you don't when you're not occupied your mind's not occupied with a yeah, thousand yeah. things you have to do Right, right, right. Yeah, when you get those those t- moments to kind of just rest and, and yeah. shut off for a second and then, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so cool. uh, if you're hearing this and you feel like your weeks are very, very stressful and you just want to make it to Christmas too, make sure you you cherish your weekends as your sanctuaries and, and yeah. And count the days. There's 43. Right. <laughs> so. That's actually really not that many. 
40, 42 actually in Germany. Yeah, okay, because they celebrate it, what, the day before, the 23rd? 24th. 24th, okay. Yeah. So, um, excited for Christmas, but we're also excited to learn some new things about the Wizarding World, and I want to know if you know the answer to this question. Okay. I only have one question today for you. How many times did Harry catch the snitch in a school Quidditch game? How often did he catch the snitch mm. in a school game? Wow. How many? So, like, in his whole career he, at, yeah, at, at Hogwarts? Yeah, at school. At Hogwarts, yes. Okay, so you got... Wow. <laughs> is it high number or a low number? Mm, what's high, what's low, I guess. Like, is it double digits or single digits? Single digits. Nuh-uh. Yes. And I'm talking about an actual Quidditch game. So yeah. not during practice or when Oliver shows him how to Single play Quidditch. Single digits. Yeah. Seven times. Yes. Seven times. The magical number Are seven. Are you serious? He caught the snitch seven times. Shot in the dark. Before he then gets the first snitch he ever caught from Dumbledore. And then, you know, the last time he uses it is when he opens at the very end. Yeah. The snitch did. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, good job, though. I mean, thanks. if you don't know, if you're asking for a number in trivia and you don't know the answer at all and you think like hmm, 7 or 12 could be fi a fitting answer, then it's probably 7 or 12. <laughs> it, you helped me narrow it down, though, because you said, yeah. you know, single digits. So yeah. I just thought it'd be more because you think of all the, you know, six years or whatever. Right. But he's missed a lot of games, right? Because of yeah. different circumstances. Quidditch was there was no Quidditch in Goblet of Fire. They yeah. so we can actually count them. In Philosopher's Stone, he caught the snitch twice. Chamber of Secrets caught the snitch once, and then later Quidditch is canceled. Prisoner in this book, he will catch it twice because they lost the first game, right? And they yep, only yep. have three Cedric games per. It. They only have three games per season or per year, really. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Then Goblet of Fire, there's nothing. Then we have one in the Order of the Phoenix. Then he gets banned for life <laughs> yeah. from Quidditch uh, by Umbridge. And then in Half-Blood Prince, we have, I think, one more catch. Yeah. Okay. So seven in total. Nice. Wow. Yeah, I guess when you think of there being only three games a year and... It, it makes a lot more sense as to why Dumbledore was like, hey, just because Dementors are on the field, we only get three of these like yeah. per team, so like they're just going to, you know. Sorry. I know, right? It, you would feel like they should play each other at least twice throughout the year. Yep, nope. But I then they not. have academics and stuff to take school, care of. School, so. school, school, yep. school, 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 okay? <laughs> Say it with me. School, school, school. School. <laughs> That's what we do in the morning, you guys. Before we go yep, into school, we get the chant going. Yep, um. Pumped. Gosh, we have, you, have, you have to find a way. you got to find a way to get pumped. Yes. And we do. I actually have been walking down the, the hallway now, like going up to my history teachers and stuff, yeah. and saying, like, say it with me. Say it with me. <laughs> history. 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 <laughs> you know, just getting them fired uh, up. That's hilarious. Sorry. Okay. All right. So good job on today's question. Thank you. What was your first initial thought? I was thinking, like, 12, 12. 13. Okay, yeah. So, yeah. 12. Okay. 
All right, so Maggie's Zoology lesson. Are you ready? I know you're so pumped for this one. So let's see what we have going on this week. What? You rescue these creatures? Yes, that's right. Rescue, nurture, and protect them. I'm gently trying to educate my fellow wizards about them. Come on. This week, we'll take a closer look at the clabbered. The Clabbert. The Clabbert. Ever heard of the Clabbert? No, I've never heard of the Clabbert, and I just looked it up. Well, show me the picture. I haven't seen it. You haven't seen it? It looks no. like it, it looks like a like a tree, oh, yeah, yeah. like a tree frog with a with a long tail. Monkey tail. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. what? Oh my god! Just like my mic. You what? Nothing. You I just it? hit my microphone. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. We should have a um a little jar whenever. I hit the microphone. I should just pay, pay for it, and that uh-huh. will be our coffee money. Wow! I think that would work pretty well. <laughs> Even though we spent a lot of money on coffee. I was gonna say I don't know if I'd cover the whole cost. <laughs> okay, the clabbered. The clabbered is classified as XX, which means harmless and may be domesticated. The clabbered is a tree-dwelling creature, an appearance something like a cross between a monkey and a frog. It originated in the southern states of America. So I guess like South America or in the southern states of the United States. We don't know. I would say like South America. Probably because, yeah, it looks like like an animal that belongs in the jungle. Yeah. Uh, So it has been exported worldwide. The smooth and... and hairless skin is a model green. The hands are, the hands and feet are webbed, and the arms and legs are long and supple, enabling the clabber to swing between branches with the agility of an orangutan, which is also a monkey. <laughs> in case you didn't know, the head has short horns, and the wide mouth, which appears to be grinning, is full of razor sharp teeth. Ooh. The clabbered feeds mostly on small lizards and birds. The clabbered's most distinctive feature is the large postural in the middle of its forehead, which turns scarlet and flashes when it senses danger. American wizards once kept clabberts in their gardens to give early warning of approaching muggles, but the intentional sorry, the International Confederation <laughs> of Wizards has introduced fines which have largely ended this practice. The sight of a tree at night full of glowing clabbered postrels will, uh, while dis- decorative, oh, they're decorative, but they attracted too many muggles wishing to ask why their neighbors still had their Christmas lights up in June. Wow, so it's got like a big red glowing orb on the front right, of its forehead. Right, and it forehead. senses danger. And what I'm wondering now is... Is parts? Is there any parts of the clabbered that go into the making of a sneakoscope? Okay, what just because of the red glowing thing? Because something? yeah, it's it, that's it glows when it's some kind of danger is nearby. Isn't that what a sneakoscope does? Yeah, I guess so. so. Maybe it does. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think it says it on the wiki that it does, but I I feel like that it it could be an ingredient in one of those magical items. Could be. Yeah, because how do we make uh, often bioengineering, right? We look at biology, we look at uh, the plant and animal kingdom world and see what do they have. And then we make that into something 
a machine or some um, new technology that we use. Right. So, I don't know. I feel like they would have used it. And interesting that they used it to warn about approaching muggles, and then that's the cause. Muggles are then the cause why they banned it. <laughs> because muggles saw it. Yeah, they're, they're too but curious about it. Yeah. Would you want to have or befriend one? I mean, a clabbered who lights up whenever there's danger around? Would you want to know is the question, you know? Like, would you... I mean, yes, you would, but then it doesn't tell you what is the danger. So you just then walk it around like thinking everything is dangerous. Well, or what is it, you know, what's danger to it versus what's danger to us might be different. Yes, that's a you know? good point. Yep. So, I, I, yeah, it would be, I guess it would be cool. I mean, if they were in your tree and they started to kind of glow as like an alarm when, when an evil yeah. witch or wizard was showing up in your front <laughs> yard, like, yeah, that'd be nice. Grindelwald's showing up. And right. Like, and okay. it's just like, oh, the Dagon Clabberts are, are at it again. And so you're like, well, I don't want to walk up on this wizard because he's got a tree full of Clabberts. Right. Like, or the clabberts, smart. like you said, say we don't care about Grindelwald. There's no danger to us. So yeah, that would suck. <laughs> <laughs> that would not. That would not work out then. No, I think so. it does probably have something to do with, I don't know, danger to the whole area and this. I don't know. Yeah, something that's just in general a dangerous creature. Yep. Yeah, like that. All right. Uh, anything else about the clabbert? Uh, no. Yeah. Are cool. So you would like to have one? Yeah, that'd be fine. Yeah. I mean, kind of. Not at home, not inside, but like some, no, somewhere yeah. outside the tree. That would if be fine. they were in a tree or a bush. Yeah. I don't really like lizards, but. <laughs> they eat lizards. Yeah, but they look like a lizard. They They're like a predatory lizard. So yeah. actually I'm more out than I'm in. Anyway. Let's get into the chapter, which is way more exciting than the class. Let's go. <laughs> chapter 13, Gryffindor versus Ravenclaw. Ron and Hermione's friendship seems to have come to an end. Ron's rat, Scabbers, has disappeared, and the evidence all points to Hermione's cat, Crookshanks, who very probably has had Scabbers for dinner. The two have stopped talking to each other for good, and Hermione buries herself in more schoolwork. Hogwarts is buzzing with excitement as the highly anticipated Quidditch match between Gryffindor and Ravenclaw approaches. During the last practice before the game, Harry takes Ron with him to let him ride the firebolt after practice. The Gryffindor team's training session could not have gone any better. The entire team is so inspired by the Firebolt's presence and Harry's performance that Wood doesn't have a single thing to criticize. After Ron has had his own go on the Firebolt, the two boys swiftly walk back up to the castle. Suddenly, Harry is alarmed when he sees what he thinks is the Grim. When he lights his wand, however, it turns out to be Crookshanks. The ginger cat vanishes into the darkness, leaving an angrily muttering Ron and a perplexed Harry behind. The next morning, the pregame excitement reaches its climax when Harry, armed with the Firebolt, enters the Great Hall for breakfast. Bets are being placed, Slytherins are being nasty as ever, and everyone tries to get a good look at the marvelous broom. When the Gryffindor team enters the stadium a few hours later, it is jam-packed. The sky is clear with no Dementors in sight. Right before both teams are ready to kick off, Harry notices the cute Ravenclaw seeker, Cho Chang, smiling directly at him. It takes him a second to focus back on the game. As the teams take to the sky, the atmosphere is electric. It's a high-caliber match. Harry spots the Golden Snitch a couple of times, but Cho, though her broom is not as fast, finds clever ways to distract him and cut him off. Eventually, Harry performs, without knowing, a Ronsky feint and is able to shake Cho off. Then he spots the Snitch once more, but before he can gain momentum, he is distracted by three hooded figures on the ground. Quickly, Harry performs a powerful Patronus charm and doesn't even stop to look at its effects. He turns back up and with the wand still in hand, manages to catch the Snitch. 
the stadium erupts with cheers, and Harry is buried under his teammates who came up to hug him. It turns out that the Dementors were actually Malfoy and his friends dressed up in robes. While the Slytherin gang is in big trouble, the Gryffindors are getting ready for a big aftergame party in their common room to celebrate their victory. The party goes well into the night. Plenty of snacks and drinks are provided, thanks to Fred and George's secret excursion to Honeyduke's cellar. Harry feels like he's on top of the world, yet midway through the party, he notices one Gryffindor who has not joined the festivities, but is instead reading her books over in the corner. Hermione is so busy with her schoolwork that she can't afford to waste her Saturday. Harry asks her to have some food, but Hermione refuses and still doesn't want to be around Ron. Then Ron makes matters far worse when he announces that Scabbers would have liked the food had he been alive. This causes Hermione to burst into tears and retreat to her dormitory. Harry is not sure if his two friends would ever make up again. After a long day and night, they all go to bed happy and content, ready for a good night's rest. Harry quickly drifts off to sleep and into a strange dream when he's woken up again by a scream. Something has caused havoc in the boys' dormitory. Ron looks terrified and his bed curtains have been slashed. He claims that Sirius Black has just been at his bedside with a knife ready to stab him. Everybody dismisses Ron's story as a nightmare. Then, Professor McGonagall, who was woken up by the noise, comes and interrogates Sir Cadogan's portrait to see if he's let anyone into the common room. Cadogan confirms, Certainly, Sirius Black was here, and he had a whole list of last week's passwords to get access to the Gryffindor common room. A trembling Neville admits in a squeaky voice that it was he who wrote down the passwords and who must have left them lying around. Poor Neville. We're going to get to him later, and I feel so sorry for him. In the next chapter, we even learn his punishment is awful. But this is actually a great chapter because it describes so well the excitement you have before a big Quidditch match. Or not just Quidditch I mean, we don't really know the excitement before a Quidditch match for real. But um, before a big sports game. And two rivals who are probably equal in talent. Yeah. And you think it, it all comes down to this game because for Gryffindor, stakes are high. If they lose this, they're out. They have yep. no chance of winning the cup in this year. Yeah. Uh, not sure about Ravenclaw, if they could afford to lose, but probably not. If you only have three games, you don't really want to lose any of those. If you only play each house once, you need to win all of the games mm-hmm. most yeah. of the time. So stakes are high, but everyone's excited because those are not two teams who are, you know, like Gryffindor and Slytherin, they almost hate each other and it's full of spite, but this is like positive excitement. We know both teams are good and they're good spirited and they just can't wait to see a fair like winner. Right. They're, they both have really good looking seekers. Oh, I know. They're just (laughs) like, oh my gosh. Like this is, I mean, obviously Ravenclaw should have won, but... (laughs) If ha- had Harry not had this firebolt, I don't know if he would have won. <laughs> Just go through this chapter, friends, yes. if you get a chance, with like an adult lens <laughs> for a second. It is a little Some crazy. Are very yeah, interesting. Or maybe like an phrased. immature lens, I guess, is another way yeah. to put it. But it would, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, no, you're right though. It is. It's a great chapter for lots of hype, lots of uh, you know, lots of cool stuff with Quidditch, really, yeah. and lots of competition. We get to meet new. Uh, New people, you know, new characters who are yes, going to be around for a while who are going to be important. 
So I think that's that's neat. And then yeah, stakes are high. So mm-hmm. unfortunately, Ron and Hermione are not getting along at all. Right, right, in, right. And this has been this has been a thing throughout this whole book where it's all about their animals, but it's not. Like it's I mean it is, but it's all about all about you know, their beliefs behind it and how they should behave. And Ron both have a point, okay? So Ron believes Hermione, I mean, is a cat. Uh, Hermione is a cat. Well, she <laughs> yes. was. She was <laughs> at one point. Because she's a cat. Hermione's cat, Crookshanks, is a natural threat to his his pet, Scabbers. And if we take out of the equation, we don't know yet. Ron doesn't know that Scabbers is not actually a rat. Right, yeah. So... He's just mad that Hermione doesn't seem to care. Doesn't seem to care about Scabbers, and that means doesn't seem to care about his feelings. Ooh. Yeah. Deep I mean, down. remember, yeah, we were listening to the chapter, and I was like, Ron does have a, I said it later, I was like, I was yeah. like, well, you know, he says to Harry, like, she's never apologized. She's never yeah. really felt bad for for anything that's happened to Scabbers. Like, she doesn't care. Yeah. And you're right. Yeah, doesn't really care. And it's just like, well, I mean. On the other hand. Okay. Ron, uh, Hermione keeps saying Ron has no proof that Crookshanks had eaten scabbers. And something and she's makes, right. she is actually right in the end. And something makes her believe, even though Crookshanks is a cat who very well could have eaten a rat, something makes her confident, no, it was not Crookshanks. Yeah. Isn't there other, are there other rat, rats in the, you know, in the Good series question. or do other people, are there other cats there? Do other people bring their cat? Look at Hogwarts Legacy. So. Yeah, there's, there's tons, tons of, of cats, cats around. I feel like there would be. So how do none of the, the an, three animals you can bring. Right. So I just don't get how, rats too. <laughs> how the other cats aren't like all also pouncing at Ron, you know, I like have, maybe yes. that's his thing is like, Hey, none of the other cats are pouncing and Crookshanks True. is the one attempting to eat scabbers. I have a point though. In the letter that you get as a first year, it tells you, you can bring a toad, an owl, or a cat. There's nothing about a rat in there. We accept cats. If you bring a mouse or a rat or some kind of animal like that, it's your own fault. You know that there will be cats in this castle. We can't ensure that your pet will be protected if you bring a rat or a mouse. (laughs) Hold on a second. Hold on a second. You know, here's something to think about. There's a theory. Why did Peter Pettigrew choose the Weasley family? Right. Mm -hmm. And the Weasleys are known to be poor and not maybe have the money to get the owl or the fancy toad. Right. (laughs) Fancy toad. Or the the fancy cat. You know what I mean? I went with toad instead of cat because, you know, I mean, clearly toads cost more than cats. Um (laughs) But, you know, they maybe he chose to go with them thinking like, hey, they're going to like Take the headmaster is going to turn kind of a blind eye towards the idea that the Weasleys are going to bring a rat. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, hey, the Weasley kids are bringing nothing or they've got a pet rat. Question is, did he really want to be near Harry and all that stuff? And did he anticipate Voldemort's return? Or did he actually want to live a good life as a rat <laughs> for the rest of his life? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, does Pettigrew ever tell us like what he's thinking there, like why he chose mm-hmm. the Weasleys? It's just weird. No, he doesn't. 
We need a Marauder series, and we need more background on P- Peter Pettigrew. That's for right. sure. But you're right. It only says an owl, a cat, or a toad. It does yeah. not say. So, I mean, one of the questions I have here is why was Ron Weasley permitted to bring yeah. a rat to Hogwarts? I mean, that's a short right there. Right. And Percy before him. Yeah, right? I mean, I guess Percy makes sense because he's, you know, Ben's a binhead boy. So, right. this is this guy's pet rat. Okay, we want him in. <laughs> we don't even know if Percy actually brought No, we don't. We don't actually. Also, the Weasleys have a cat at home. I mean, that's actually uh, not sure though if that's a movieism, but definitely Ginny says the cat. It was on the cat, or if something was on the cat. What was it? Her jumper. Her ju- yes, <laughs> she's looking for it. Mom Mommy, says, "Have you seen me jumper?" <laughs> <laughs> yes, Ginny dear, it was on the cat. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, so they seem to have a cat at least in the movies. Hmm, interesting. Which Ron didn't have a problem with, so. Um, if if it came to a trial, fair trial, who would win, Hermione or Ron? Hermione. Because this is rule-breaking, okay? Like, he's not actually supposed <laughs> to point. even have yeah. yep. a rat, and he does, and this rat happens to be an animagus, so... Which we don't know. We don't know, but still. uh, Yeah, there are other cats there as well, and this could be irritating all the cats, and so maybe it was, yep. like, just... It was time, you know. Yeah. This is his friend. Who? What if Harry would have had a cat? True. Instead of an owl. True. So. Cats first. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Just kidding. I don't know. I but but it is rough though that Hermione does not give him. Um, you know, it doesn't say like just like yeah. they're not mature. This is all about their maturity, right? And they're all yes. growing up and learning how to deal with these things. But you know, to say, hey, sorry that I that you think yeah. that, and I'm sorry you feel that way, yeah. but. It's not actually Crookshanks' fault. Technically, <laughs> you know, just like you guys were mad at me for the firebolt and you're mad at me for yes. other things, like, you guys are the ones it breaking the rules up. here. Sorry. It only, honestly adds up for her, too, that she, they are kind of blaming her for a lot of things. And in the end, she's almost, I mean, right about everything. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But But you do get that, like, that adds up for Ron yeah, by the end of the too. series where he's just yeah. sort of like, Okay, do you not care about, like, my actual feelings? Mm-hmm. You may be right about those things, but, like, there's no helping me or, like, helping... I don't know. There's just not a not a lot of sympathy or empathy going the other way. Yes, know? for sure. So. So. And Harry's just caught up in the middle, like, a lot of times. I feel like there's always either bickering between Harry and Ron or Hermione and Ron. Mm-hmm. And then either Hermione's in the middle of it or Harry's in the middle of it. True, true. It's never Harry and Hermione who are actually really mad at each other. And that's the brotherly, sisterly relationship they have, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Yeah. And I think Hermione is his best friend. Yeah. As a friend. So crazy. Just, I don't know if it's a movieism or not, but when Dumbledore later checks in. Oh, yeah, sort of he does. Like, you know, oh, what about you and Miss Granger? Is yeah. there something going on there? And he's just sort of like, <laughs> was Dumbledore rooting for Harry yeah. over Ron? Like, don't what? I don't know. I mean, that's one way to look at it. I don't yeah. know. So, anyway. Speaking about Ron and Harry, I think it's very nice of Harry to say, hey, Ron, why don't you come along? He do- he knows that Ron isn't feeling well with the scabbers and everything. So he says, hey, come to the final practice before the match, and I'll let you ride the fireball. And Ron is like, oh, my God. That's, that's like the it's biggest awesome. thing for him because he, I mean, he does come from a 
or our family. So he would never have thought to ever in his life be able to ride a firebolt, the same broomstick that they use in the Quidditch final in the World Cup. Yep. Pro- pros ride that broom. Yeah, and and so, like you said, not many people, even even those who have a lot of money and wealth, are not able to. No, yeah, it's the only firebolt at Hogwarts. Yep. Yeah. But Harry, I mean, it, I'm happy for Harry because he didn't have anything until he turned 11 years old. That's when he learned he had a little bit of money extra. But before that, he wore old clothes from Dudley. He never got his own things. So yeah, he was getting good tooth- for him. Toothpicks and socks yeah. for Christmas, you know. So <laughs> yeah, so it's cool. Um, Ron joins the Gryffindor team to just watch the practice and then madam hooch is asked on top of everything she um does i don't know what we talked about her we don't yeah, know what, what does her she do <laughs> things are <laughs> she teaches all first years how to fly not sure if you continue that in second year if you wanted to sounds I feel like, like a pretty cush job it does but she also does ev- all the quidditch stuff uh, but there's only f- how many games are i, I don't know I do feel like she has something else going on. Okay. So she um, organizes the Quidditch League, oversees some practices, and maybe she, she maybe she's a substitute teacher if others are not feeling well, you know? Yeah. We don't know. We just know that she is very tired. She has to oversee Gryffindor's practice because of Harry's safety. And once practice is over, by the way, the practice was phenomenal. Harry said it's the best broom ever, the best feeling ever. I'm going to read that in a second. But Madam Hooch, she fell asleep. Once practice was over and Ron wants to have Mm. a go, Madam Hooch had fallen asleep in her seat. And then um, she gets a little mad at Harry and Ron that they didn't wake her up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. Yeah. She's well. She's got, like you said, a lot going on. She seems a lot yeah. older than what we see uh, of her in the movies. By Should the way, be. you ask me questions mm-hmm. on the podcast, and then you know I do, I do the research and I'm looking it up. Okay. So yeah, because you know this is what Lottie likes to do. She <laughs> likes to ask me questions on the fly, and then I don't have the answer, and so you know I'm just asking them out loud. I just wondering. You, well, okay. you think I want to? You think I'm going to sit over here? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, guess guess how many ma- how many matches are there, and and how many how many Quidditch matches do they play? No, I have to do the math. So oh, everyone. Th- each of them plays three matches. We have mm-hmm. four houses, mm-hmm. so there has to be 12 matches. Six no, matches. that doesn't make sense because they don't... Six matches. Wait a second. I know. This is, I, this is why, so I just wanted to throw it out there. <laughs> Lottie was earlier like, okay, okay, oh, okay, okay, okay. I mean, it's just like it's a common, easy question. Oh, that's right. It doesn't make sense because Gryffindor, we, say, we see everything from the perspective of Gryffindor. They play three matches, but then if you go to Hufflepuff, they've already played gryffindor in that gryffindor match the same one so yeah it makes sense that it's not three for i mean it is three for all of them but we've already seen that match but how many does the school witness the season so the first match you ready for this the first Mm -hmm. match is gryffindor versus slytherin yeah the second match is hufflepuff versus ravenclaw the third match is ravenclaw versus slytherin Uh the fourth match is gryffindor versus hufflepuff the fifth (laughs) match is hufflepuff pluff uh versus slytherin and the sixth match is Gryffindor versus Ravenclaw. So this okay. is just according to, let's see, this is just matches. Exceptions to the schedule of matches have occurred, such mm-hmm. as during the you know 1953-1954 school year and the 1993 
and the 94 school year. Yeah, because Slytherin was like, we're not playing in this weather. So they played Hufflepuff first. Gryffindor played Hufflepuff first. And now they're playing Slytherin last, even though they should have played right. Slytherin first. So yeah. this year is the exception mm-hmm. to the to that schedule, to, to, to the plan. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Kind of crazy. They do even explain. So the the first match is either the fir- first or second week of November third, and then the second match is the third or fourth week in November. Third uh, match is going to be the third or fourth week in February. So we kind of skip. We just have a couple matches in November, uh, one in February, one in March, one in, and then two in May. Wow, that's interesting. We never really see Harry watching a match like one of the other matches. No, it's always just yeah. him playing, anticipating a, a match that he plays. Yeah. Right. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we get it all from Gryffindor's perspective. So we hear about it sometimes like, oh, Slytherin beat so-and-so and or this team upset that team. And mm-hmm. so we have a chance or whatever. But yeah. I've never really looked it up and understood it. So there you go. Well, that's cool. Thank you. Be careful you. how many questions you ask on this podcast because I will full stop the podcast and go figure <laughs> it out. That's the beauty of editing. We can look it up for an hour and a half and it sounds like it's only been a second True. on the podcast. True. So. <laughs> Has it actually been an hour and a half till we figured that out? We don't know. <laughs> so another thing that's interesting is during practice, Wood tells Harry, I've just found out who Ravenclaw is playing as Seeker. It's Cho Chang. And I thought when I first read it, before I went on to the next line, I was like, why does he just, why did he just figure that out? Yeah, Isn't who was it known, right? Yeah. Who, who was the seeker before? But then he says, she's fourth year. She's pretty good. I really hoped she would not be fit. She's had some problems with injuries. So he did know she plays for Ravenclaw, but she's had some problems. Maybe she didn't play in her first match. And he just thought, okay, we don't know yet who's going to play the seeker. So he told Harry, just found out. Right. And... That really displeases him because he knows that Cho is really, really good. And I think we forget that sometimes. That Cho is a an amazing flyer. Yeah, she's really good. Because in this match, we will see that she's able to play with Harry, not just because, you know, she's a little flirty and Harry's a little distracted, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but also because she's a good flyer. She knows how to... She knows full well that her broom is way, way slower than Harry's new broom. But she finds ways to cut across him so he has to change directions and stuff. And it's really, really cool. She definitely was not. Either she had injuries like his first year or something. Because you can go back in the wiki, it tries to track like mentions for certain teams. Yeah. And during the 91-92 season, you had an unidentified seeker, but you had it was a male uh, Ravenclaw seeker. Okay, yeah. So that's interesting. So maybe that was... I don't know. Like then, then maybe she wasn't on the team yet. And yeah, then the maybe next that was year, her first season. Now, mm-hmm. I mean, the next year though, we only get the only mention that we get in the '92. Hold on a second. They don't really mention like anybody else. It's so hard to yeah. figure out like who would be on a particular team. So that's kind of that's kind of oh no, that's upsetting. Like like like. Well, was wait was Quidditch canceled? You said last year. For a little bit, yes, because of yeah, yeah chambers, because, of the uh, chamber. because of the chambers of secrets. Right, so that's why there was only just the uh, Slytherins and the Gryffindors were mentioned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. so maybe she was there and we didn't know. Okay, yeah, but everyone, yes, bad news. Cho Chang's playing; she's pretty good. But who cares? Because Harry's got the firebolt. Everyone is 
motivated and inspired by the presence of the fireball. I love that. Here's a description of how Harry feels flying. What feels like it's the first time for him flying it because mm-hmm. it's so well described. Uh, and at long last, Harry mounted his firebolt and kicked off from the ground. It was better than he'd ever dreamed. The fireball turned with the lightest touch. It seemed to obey his thoughts rather than his grip. It sped across the field at such speed that the stadium turned into a green-gray blur. Harry turned it so sharply that Alicia Spinnett screamed. Then he went into a perfectly controlled dive, brushing the grassy field with his toes before rising 30, 40, 50 feet into the air again. That's awesome. <laughs> That's I mean, he's he is a natural. And then he catches the snitch within 10 seconds. He He's a natural on mm. a really, really good broom. Yes. So mm. that's dangerous. That's why everybody's like, we've got this. Could he have played professionally? Oh, for sure. I think so. You yes. think Harry could have? Yeah. I yeah. think so. Because he's young and he's do he's just kind of got a lot of a lot of different things going on, a lot of responsibilities. But it feels like feels like he definitely was the youngest seeker. Yeah. And he had he's gotten used to the firebolt. So I don't know. I just feel like when when we meet Crumb later on, you're sort of like, okay, he's he's young. He's young and he's still uh, playing for his team and stuff. I just feel like yeah. Harry, had he pursued it more, could have. Right. And had he had the chance to practice more because his later years and even some earlier years, right, he doesn't get to practice. He doesn't get to practice during his fifth year, part of his second year. And then I think the end of the sixth year, he probably doesn't, I think, I don't know. I remember how I much. I mean, it's got to go the Horcruxes. Right? And then seventh year, he doesn't play at he's all. He's got to get the Hallows. He's a chosen so one. So had he prophecy. received a normal education with normal amounts of Quidditch practice and more games, yeah. um, I think, yeah, he would have been really, really good. I mean, even better. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. I just, yeah, I thought I'd bring it up because, you know, we don't, it's a kind of, I feel like a question people have all thought about, but I've never heard anybody really just be like, could he have gone professional, you know? Yeah. So might post a poll on that one. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Good. <laughs> so, Quidditch practice goes pretty well, which makes you wonder. Everyone else could be like, okay, we're not, we're just guarding Harry that's the thing about Quidditch and I don't really want to bring it up because sometimes I don't like criticizing oh that just doesn't make sense you know the seeker being in the role of if you catch it the game's over and you get 150 points so what's even why even trying to score and not everyone tries to help Harry catch the snitch so well I think I think the rule is he's the only one who can they're not allowed to no obviously he is but (laughs) <laughs> you could support Harry better. And yeah, hey, I mean, you want to prevent, I know if you do, then the others could score 15 goals. They have to score 15 goals before you even out the score of a snit catching a snitch. Yeah. Which it's is a also, lot. it's also though, if it's an even match though, like if you have this sort of back and forth, so you start at zero, first person to catch it wins. Right. Unless right. like right before you, um, Oh, how do you put... Well, wait a second. Wait a second. You have to make... put. I think it makes sense if you put like a spell on the snitch that it's really, really difficult to catch him within the first, I don't know, 20 minutes of the game. Like to ensure 
okay, the game has a certain length because you want people to watch it for a little bit, right? Not just yeah, right. Essentially, you want to watch it for the uh, for the first one hundred and fifty points. Yeah. Then after that, it's because then it's interesting because yeah, yeah. Then the seekers have to be careful. They if have to it, keep track yes. of the points as well yeah. and sort of know where things yeah. are at. That's what happened in the Quidditch World Cup, which was that yeah. uh, Victor Crumb ended up catching the the snitch, but Ireland still won. Right, he did, but he didn't. He, he ended knew. the game, yeah. but it didn't. It ended the game, but they right. were they had lost, which is very unlikely. Yep. Anyway, so everyone feels good about that. Um, Ron and Harry are a little bit late because Ron had to go on the firebolt. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Yeah. I'm so sorry to interrupt. No, it's okay. Just I know it's a goblet of fire, but how did Fred and George know to place that kind of bet? <laughs> did they were they on liquid luck? Did they? That is a really good question. Because that's an insane call. Yeah. With a lot of, I mean, on, when the when the bet's that crazy, true, you, you kind of feel like the person who's accepting that bet is just taking their money, right? Um, and so maybe they didn't have to put a whole lot of money forward for it, so it's kind of a you know, hey, mm. whatever. We've oh got, yeah, yeah, okay, because they don't, they might not. Have yeah, a lot. it's like yeah, it's like yeah. we don't really need to put a whole lot on this because it's <laughs> yeah. kind of a gimme. But if we do win, we're taking a whole lot, you know. Yeah. But still, what a crazy, what a crazy. Anyway, it is. You're right. That was like worth. Could they see the future on that one, or Mm -hmm. like, did they time turner it? What happened? (laughs) Yeah. How did Fred and George know that this would happen? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Back to your point. My bad. Uh, yeah. No. Just uh, practice was awesome, and then they go up to the castle, but they run into Crookshanks in the dark, and Harry for a second before he before Ron lights the wand. Harry thinks. He saw the Grimm again, and mm-hmm. I think he did. He did. Well, he, what he did, he saw. Yeah. Sirius. Yeah, Sirius and Crookshanks are hanging, hanging out. out together. Yeah. Did Crookshanks? Where is Scabbers? Right. They don't know. So I think Crookshanks and and Patfoot right now are on the hunt for Scabbers. Right. Mm-hmm. So Crookshanks must have told Sirius, "Hey, uh, I I I don't know where Peter Scabbers is." Yeah. And then. Cause yeah, why does th- why does Sirius go in when Crookshanks told him, "Hey, Scabbers is not there." Maybe he said, "No way, I gotta find him. I gotta see if he's there or not. And if right. I see him, I'll end him right there. I don't doesn't matter." Hmm, I'm trying to remember when he actually comes back to uh, to Ron. Oh, you mean Scabbers? Yeah, when Scabbers, because they they see him later, just outside, so, right, or something, running around. I know. Yeah. After the execution so, of Buckbeak or something. That's when he. Is in the, at least in the movie, that's when he's bit by Scabbers, right? And then the whole thing goes down. Scabbers bites him. Ron's like, ow, Scabbers. And Scabbers mm-hmm. runs towards the um, Whopping Willow. Yeah. And then everything happens with the, at the tree shack. Good thing we're so, doing a reread because I don't, I don't remember at all when, how that all breaks down. Because, yeah, you're wondering why, why would he, why, why would they be, why would he go into Gryffindor Common Room? Wait, in the movie, at least, again, I don't remember in the book. We're going to find out in a few chapters, but... Isn't it at Hagrid's hut when Hagrid's like, hey, Ron, here's Scabbers. Oh, my God, Scabbers. And then Hermione says, oh, you need to apologize. And then that thing hits. Like Hermione's stone throw, rock throw thing. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. how I remember it in the movie. But wait. Yeah, that's right. That makes sense because it's right before <laughs> you're like, oh. Um, it's right before the execution happens. So they visit Hagrid. And that's where they find Scabbers again. So Scabbers somehow ended up at Hagrid's. Okay. I wonder why. 
He was hungry for the big pumpkin. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they see them here. Once they turn the lights on, Patfoot is gone. And Ginger Cat. Ginger Cat. Crookshanks. Crookshanks. <laughs> uh, jumps away too. And Ron's still angry. I can't believe that cat's still around. So they go up to the castle and fall asleep pretty quickly. Harry's excited. And the next morning, Harry's already the king because no one's got a firebolt. No one's really seen the firebolt. And he shows up with the firebolt at breakfast where oh, yeah. normally they ha- they don't, they're not even wearing their Quidditch outfit yet because they go in their robes to the locker room. Mm-hmm. That's where they change. So he just shows up with his broom. Normally, probably they don't bring their brooms. And he's like, I- I'm showing everybody that I've got a firebolt. Yeah, he's just showing off. Right? And everyone, the whole Quidditch team, like, is around the firebolt. Like, wah, mm-hmm. wah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's, I feel like it's fun. It's the fun excitement yeah. of a Gryffindor-Ravenclaw game. And um, Percy and Penny, Penny, Penelope, uh-huh. have a little bet going on. And Percy's like, uh, you better win, Harry. I don't have 10 galleons. Right, right. It's so cute how we get so many little hints at Percy and Penelope throughout the book. Yeah. But they don't end up with each other. No, they don't. Because Percy changes a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's just a little Yeah, it's cute. It's very, romance. very cute. Um, and then the Slytherins walk over, check out, does he really have a fireball? <laughs> and Harry, this is really interesting. Harry knows what to say uh, when Malfoy makes a dig at him. It's got plenty of special features, hasn't it? Shame it doesn't come with a parachute in case you get too near the mentor. That's pretty good. <laughs> but then Harry immediately is like, Pity you can't attach an extra arm to yours, Malfoy. Then it could catch the snitch for you. Bam, bam, bam. I think it's kind of weak, though. I'm like, Harry, that you could have done better. That was, like, I don't know. Well, they're Like, just his was more fun. I think, I think, Mal- I think Malfoy had him you there. You gotta you remember, know. though, Harry's only... They are only 13 years old, so... <laughs> yeah, true, but... I think when I look at my... I mean, they're around my students' age. My students are around I just 13. feel like by the time you spit that, that insult out, like, yeah, too bad you didn't go, like, get... An, a robotic arm and attach it <laughs> to your broom and so that it could catch the snitch. Yeah, that's probably like Malfoy's. Yeah. Malfoy's just sort of like, what dude? Okay. That you are lame. Bye. <laughs> I don't know. I want the whole book series. Someone had written a um, fan fiction. I think the whole book out of Hermione's perspective or someone else's perspective, right? How cool would it be to get the whole book series from Malfoy's perspective? Oh, it'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. That would be so, so cool. Yeah, just to see what he thought when he walked away or whatever. And to see them planning this whole Dementor sort of like prank and everything. Yeah. That'd be cool. be really cool. And people have been making fun of Stephanie Meyer for writing the first or I think multiple books now from Edward's perspective. No, it's awesome. I think it was so cool. Yeah. And I remember we listened to it together. We did in Costa Rica, (laughs) actually. Yeah. I... I remember when it was first coming out and someone stole her her uh, manuscript or whatever and they posted it online. So she lost all sort of momentum with it and was like, why even do this then? Yeah. You guys are going to be like that. So that sucks. Yeah, Yeah. that was kind of a bummer. But anyway, yeah, Uh, it would be cool. Be cool to kind of see his perspective on it and to hear the conversation over there at the Slytherin uh, table or even or even Ravenclaw's table. Just any extra little things. It's why I'm I'm excited for the HBO show, because I feel like they are going to give you these extra little side conversations yeah. where they're pumping Cho up for this match. 
right? So before we ever get, we don't see Cho Chang until Goblet of Fire, but like she's here in prisoner. Mm -hmm. So when you go make that, make that movie, like cast your people and it, well, she's only in just the one little thing. Who cares? Give her the one episode and And I think they will. They will because that's how most shows are made nowadays. You have different perspectives, different storylines, right? In the movies, it's very much like the book. We only follow the trio storyline most of the time. We get some extras with Malfoy here and there, but most of the time we follow Harry and where he goes and what he experiences. Yeah. And I hope in the show they're going to go and, and make different storylines where that come together, obviously, and most of them are about Harry, but yeah, that would be so fun. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so they just finished breakfast and I think the game they don't walk down till a quarter to 11 and then they get ready for the game and it's never mentioned but i feel like you have a little warm-up right so when i thought about when does the game actually start i would think around noon maybe so they go down quarter to 11 get changed and then 11 o'clock is when they start their warm-ups and little drills mm -hmm. before the game sure. and then slowly at 11 15, 11 30, 11 45. That's when people go over to the stadium and find their seats. And then 12 is noon is when they when they actually start the game. Yeah. And what a good friend, by the way. Hermione shows up to the game, <sighs> even though she has True. all of her work to do. Uh, she was technically there. She was there to support her friend. She's like, Of course I was there. Harry. Yeah. Because Harry was like, Did you even go? She didn't sit by Ron, probably. Or no, did she? No, she did not. No. Did she? We don't know. No, she didn't. Of course not. They don't talk to each other right now. Yeah, no, but I'm just thinking like, <laughs> what if that, how cute would that be if they both weren't talking and they grudgingly well, were just like, okay. I can tell you though, she probably sat like nearby within sight and glanced at Ron a lot of times, like seeing how he's doing on his own or whoever. Oh yeah, Ron I'm sure he looked with. up there at her and was kind of like yeah. trying to make, you know, like I'm telling yes. so I, I'm just saying. Sense. It would be cute if they both like, were still there cheering their friend on, but not talking to each yeah. other. And they were just keeping True. up the, the friendship. Well, we always sit by each other yeah, during these yeah, matches. The so, yeah. like, I saved you. You know, like, he saves her a seat. Yeah. Hoping that she's going to show up. Right? Yeah. Wouldn't he? Maybe? Now, I feel like this teenage thing is serious when you're like, we're not we're not talking right now. Then you're like, yeah, but. Hey, Seamus, don't you want to sit right here next to me? Because you want to make sure they have someone already sitting there so she doesn't get Dang, ideas. Ron. Yeah. I don't think so. No, I think so. Because he shows up with Seamus later. First first people who show up and congratulate Harry. All right, all right, all right. Yeah. But who does Harry make eye contact with? Cho Chang. Cho Chang. This is our first introduction to her. We just heard her name uh, two pages ago. And now it's the first time we see her. And through Harry's eyes, she is described as very pretty. Let me just go ahead and give you guys a spoiler warning <laughs> real quick. Um, Harry doesn't kiss Cho in this book. All right. Well, this is a reread, just so you guys know. So mm -hmm. I'm going to jump ahead. He doesn't kiss Cho in this book. Harry gets kissed by everybody here in a True. second. <laughs> All right. Everybody but Cho. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. But she was clearly playing him. She was clearly showing some kind of affection. Like she's grinning at him. Oh, yeah. Um, he, he's, he feels a little lark in his stomach, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oof, what was that? Yeah, some butterflies, <laughs> yep, uh, magical sure. feelings. He's a little distracted, and it seems like Harry. Come on, we've whoa, this focus, is, man. This is the game. Focus on the game. Knock her off her room if you need to. Wood doesn't care. 
I mean, you wonder if is it is it uh, Roger Davies? Is he the captain right now? Yes, probably he still. Is. So I, you almost wonder if they had the other backup seeker, and they're like, "Look, all right, what is this guy's weakness?" Oh, you know okay, what I'm saying? Okay, okay. And then and Cho's kind of like, oh, "I'm really been injured. I don't know if I'm going to be able to like, you know, You're pull saying off." They put the female seeker in. I'm just saying this is high. This is like Aww. high school wizard stuff <laughs> thing. You know what I mean? Like. She's also really good. So people are like, Ezra, are you really delegitimizing her skills? No, I am not. Uh, I'm just saying she is a great flyer. And she's, you know, you got to psychologically get in your opponent's head a little bit. True. And that's what she does well. If you throw a little wink in there and you (laughs) get a pause for a hot second, that's the advantage you need on your clean sweep to get ahead on that fireball. Yeah, because it's unfair. Yeah. He has a fireball. Use everything you got. True. True. I'm with you. Um, Harry sees throughout this whole match. Harry sees the snitch a couple of times. Cho manages to cut him off. Then a bludger hits him, and then he performs. Harry's like, "Okay, two can play at this game. If you want to follow me, follow me." Mm-hmm. And he does what we later learn is a Ronsky feint. Yeah, I believe because they explain it in the next book and uh, during the Quidditch World Cup, they explain the Ronsky feint as a seeker faking he's seen the snitch going after the snitch diving down hoping the other seeker would follow and then in the last moment they pull up again hoping the other seeker would not make it we just learned harry's specialty is yeah so his right? specialty is a ronsky faint pretty much yeah and that's why exactly what he does here and then he actually sees the snitch when he yeah. pulls up he actually sees the snitch he gets closer and closer his fireball's super fast it's like, I got it. And then all of a sudden, Cho makes a noise. I can't believe he even turned around to see because it could be just Cho trying to distract him, right? So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But she actually saw what looks like three Dementors. Right, right. And Harry is ready for it. He has his one. He pulls it out, casts a Patronus. Boom, boom, boom. Do you want me to read it? Oh, yeah, go ahead, please. Three tall black. Hooded Dementors were looking up at him. He didn't stop to think. Plunging a hand down the neck of his robes, he whipped out his wand and roared, Expecto Patronum! Something silver-white, something enormous, erupted from the end of his wand. He knew it had shot directly at the Dementors, but didn't pause to watch. Let's go. And he turns around, stretched out the hand, still grasping his wand. So he still has his wand in his hand. I think he's Mm right-handed. Uh, and then just managed to close his fingers over the small, struggling snitch. Let's go, Harry. And then well he's done. kissed by all the girls on his team. Yeah, great. It's great. What threw me a little bit was, when I'm going back to the scoring here, um, like Ravenclaw was pulling pulling back. So they're up 80 points to zero at one point. We talked about the scoring and how it has to be. Gryffindor right. leads by 80 points to zero. Yeah. Um, but then Ravenclaw scores three in a row, which is 30 right. points. Mm-hmm. Gryffindor's only up by 50 points. So they're only up by 50. And if Cho catches the snitch, then Ravenclaw wins. Wins by 100, point, by 100 points. Right. So even though you've got that big lead, yeah, that's the interesting thing is that the game gets... It's still interesting before that 150 because let's say you've got them. You're like, okay, boom, we've got this 110, 120 points or whatever Cho catches it's 150 game over right right so all the way up until 150 it's sort of like okay whatever um but it's just interesting you don't need to score a whole lot of points until you get to like 300 yeah you are 
I don't know, it's, or not 300, but you know what I'm saying? Like, there's just... I know. It's such a weird way to see a It is a weird. A, That's uh, why 150 is way too much. No, but that happens pretty quick. They get they get up to... I mean, they must have terrible well, defense. Well, there's three goalposts, so it's a little easier to score, I would think. Yeah. But I would feel... Sometimes as a chaser, I would feel like, why am I even doing this? You know, you bit, yeah. you get, you get have... You bring your A game. Yeah. You score 140 points. Right. And then the other team catches the snitch, and they're like, yep, we won. Good right, but if you score two more, and the other team is, like, if you're at 150. Yeah, then you prevent the other seekers, uh, the other team's seeker, to try and catch the snitch. Right, it's a race to get to that yeah. uh, 150 mark. I just wish it was a little bit lower, maybe 100, you know. I don't know, it's crazy. Yeah, anyway. Good old Quidditch. Quidditch. <laughs> wow. Okay, party, 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 party. So, uh, yeah, we head back up to the Gryffindor. Like a hippogriff. Yeah. So, party in the Gryffindor common room. And Fred and George, I feel like they are... They're part of... They are so popular. They're part of the team. I get why Ron sometimes like, oh, my brothers are so cool. Um, right. They're either academically really cool right. or they're on the Quidditch or team just, yeah. or they're... They're just, they don't care, et cetera. And yeah. Fred and George are like, yep, we got this. We're bringing the drinks. We're bringing the snacks. No one knows where from except for Harry because they like wink, wink, Patfoot, Mooney, and Tonks. Tonks? Pronks. Wow. Tonks. Tonks. Well, I mean. Tonks was there and got them some snacks. Go Tonks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they, they went to Honeyduke's cellar. Yeah. And did they pay for it? Or did you think they just stole all those snacks and they drinks? They might have left something. I like to think they left a little something. I like to think that, too. I hope so. Maybe not, I though. I feel like they... I don't know. I don't want them to steal, though. That would be bad. Come on. Like, Mr. and Mrs. Honeydukes. Yeah, I know. To, you know? Right. Like, that would be bad. I think they stole. <laughs> I think it's bad. Yeah, it's not I cool. can't endorse. I cannot publicly, you know, uh, support that. I'm no, sorry. No, I can't. I don't like it. I want to think they left some money or something. Yeah. 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 So they get back with uh, butter beers and other snacks and drinks and everyone's enjoying the party and so nice of Harry. Then he goes up to Hermione. He sees her just in the corner right. by herself reading her thick book about muggle life. British muggles. Yeah, does she really need to read that one though? I feel like she's good, but I know she's you think so, but she such wants a good to, student. She's just also so interested to hear what's the what's the wizard's perspective on mm -hmm. the Muggles, right? Mm -hmm. Yep, that is a little interesting. Yeah, and she could write her own book on so, that. She probably could. It's so important to her, her though, that she does um, what the teacher tells her to do, kind of, and that makes me sometimes it makes me feel bad giving a bunch of homework because you know the ones that needed they probably don't do it true you know the ones that really need the practice and the ones that do everything they already get so much homework from other teachers too and then they sit there like hermione they're and can't enjoy their weekend yeah and they stress about every little point and every <laughs> yes, little thing they and do have a lot of those kids and they're like yeah they they yeah. then I don't know. Actually, like, so, so so many times where I'm watching a kid work on a worksheet, and I'm like, you're good. And they're like, well, it's not, it could be, you know, and the kid that kind of continue on with it could be even better. And like, trust me, that's 20 out of 20 points. You did more than anybody else. Like, 
I've got other kids over here who literally did half the amount of work and they're still getting 20 out of 20. And you feel bad yeah. for those kids who are just, yeah. now it is your education. I always believe too, yeah, what you put in uh, to it is what you get out of it. So you're, if you look at that reward, you're good. Yeah. And as long as, but it, you know, just don't sacrifice your mm-hmm. mental health there. Hermione. Yeah, exactly. Definitely in this book, Hermione does a little bit. Right. And I think Harry's just such a good friend in this situation because he loves Ron. He loves Hermione, both of them. He doesn't want them to fight, but he also tells them actually what he thinks. So he thinks, yes, Hermione, I think everything points, even though he's wrong, but everything, all the evidence (laughs) does point to Crookshanks. He's a cat. He probably ate scabbers. Come on. Yeah. And Hermione's mad at him for that. And then here he tells Ron, can't you give her a break? Because Ron makes a really nasty comment about how scabbers would have enjoyed all this had he still been alive. Yep. He really liked these fudge flies. Yeah. And... He really Fudge used flies. to like them. Ill. Interesting. Yeah. Do they have them at the actual Honeydukes? Honey I want to know. I don't know, but... Can mm. we go to Universal again, please? Do they have fudge flies? Let's see. Is that like brownie fudge? They do! That's cool. Fudge flies, huh? Yeah, they're just chocolate, like fly-shaped chocolate. What if they were crunchy in, though? Like, like in the middle, though, and you just were like, <gasps> oh my gosh, this is kind of crazy, but... Inspired by the movies, these Harry Potter fudge flies are pieces of milk chocolate shaped like flies with a mouth-watering fudge flavor. Jamie. <laughs> okay. Okay. And Scabbers loved them. Sa- Scabbers loved fudge flavor. Mm. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, Lonnie, stop. No, don't stop. Remember when we listened to the audiobook and we listened to this part and I was like, did McGonagall just come in to stop the party at one o'clock at night in her nightgown? Yeah. You were like, yeah, we just heard it, right? And I, was, I just couldn't believe it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. She <laughs> they were partying till one o'clock at night. Yeah, it's a good party. Yeah. Sugar high. I mean, butterbeers <laughs> are flowing. <laughs> and she so. comes in like. I mean, she probably had her own little... I think she even says she's cool with, like, hey, I get a good yeah. party. Actually, this is the first time where it's like, hey, just shut it down. Right. She expected this. This part's, right. like, expected. Right. But uh, what's to come is it's a little too much. She thinks they're continuing the party. Because mm-hmm. they actually all go to bed. Harry falls asleep, has a really weird dream. Yeah, what was his dream? It was just something about, like, uh, almost like he was looked like he was chasing his own Patronus or something. Yeah, it was interesting. So he um, he was walking through a forest, his firebolt over his shoulder, following something silvery white, probably. Yeah, like you said, his Patronus in the forest. Interesting that he has a dream about that because that's how, like, his the first time his Patronus is... Corporeal. Corporeal, <laughs> thank mm-hmm. you, <laughs> is in uh, in the forest, and it's a stack. Uh, and it was winding its way through the trees ahead, and he could only catch glimpses of it between the leaves. Anxious to catch up with it, he sped up, but as he moved faster, so did his quarry. Harry broke into a run, and ahead he heard hoofs gathering speed. He knew he heard the hoofs of the yeah. stack, so yeah. he knew that his Patronus was a stack before he ever produced one. Yeah. I mean, his subconsciousness knew. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that is interesting that he has this this dream, and it's almost like he's foreseeing the future a little bit. You yeah, know? like he can kind of see like that. his future. Patronus. I mean that that kind of um, is an argument for Tiffany's 
theory that he's a seer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But again, we talked about this. We talked about this that it I want to believe that every student has some kind of, you know, that magic of seeing the future is in everyone somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like Jedi just, have yeah. the ability to s- some I mean it takes a great deal of focus and stuff, but right. yeah, some are able to see premonitions and right. whatnot. So. Yep. Some are more susceptible to it. So he almost catches up with this galloping creature in front of him. And then he hears a scream. really loud scream from his friend Ron. And everyone is... Everyone woke up. Seamus, like, what's going on? Uh, someone lets... Oh, Dean Thomas lit his lamp. And then they see Ron sitting up in his bed, hangings torn from one side, a look of utmost terror on his face. And he claims that... Sirius Black was there with a knife and slashed the curtains. And everyone's like, every, everyone's like come on, Ron. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a nightmare. So, yeah, because it is. Did he slash his own curtains, you know? Right. Um, but then he's like, yeah, look at the curtains, and it's it's bad. So he, from there, it's like they, they he's upset. He's, he's shaken so much so that he's like not just going back to bed. Because, uh, you know, when you have a nightmare and you realize, oh, thank goodness, that was just a nightmare kind of mm-hmm. thing. He's still in the nightmare because, like, he wakes yeah. up. He has that distinction between waking up and then seeing Sirius Black there. And so he, he rolls down to the common room and then the commotion is happening. He's going down the hallway. People are saying, hey, what's going on? What's going on? Uh, next thing you know, McGonagall's like, are they still at it again? Yeah. Is this still <laughs> happening? So she she rolls in and she's like, what's up with all this nonsense, right? She yeah. slammed the portrait behind her. She entered the common room and, and stared furiously around. She blames uh, Percy as one should <laughs> because, hey, you know, she'd be shutting this down. But, um, yeah, he says it, you know, tries to chalk it up to a nightmare professor. Didn't want this to happen. But, yep. uh, you know, they're, they're, Ron's upset. And he then explains to McGonagall that what he saw, what happened. And, and she doesn't believe him. I know. It's kind of like very dismissive. Sorry, but as a teacher, you should go after, like, especially when it's happened before that he tried to get in. You should listen and at least investigate. And she does. She does. But the first reaction is, come no on. No way. Yeah. Disbelief. <laughs> right. And I mean, I guess, though, part of it is, I, I, I'm my, my head, my head canon is that Hermione's been in her office probably crying a few times. What's wrong, Aww. dear? And Ron's, she's been, you know, well, you know, my friend Ron, right? So no. Scabbers explains it. And so she's listening as a good teacher would. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I kind of <gasps> think that's happening. Yeah. Yes, yes. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I just had a thought. Is McGonagall, does she talk to Crookshanks? <laughs> oh, that'd be kind of cool, right? We always think that uh, she and Mrs. Norris maybe hang out and stuff yeah. i wonder too if another animagus can sense another animagus right i wonder too because she is one and then you've got peter Pettigrew there she would have sensed something though right she would have sensed it like you're yeah. one so i don't think she can i don't think you can unless you know for sure. hmm. yeah. yeah but i feel like she could have communicated with cookshanks and cookshanks could have told her series is innocent but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I mean, because actually, that is possible because scabbers could communicate with rats, right? Exactly. Peter Pettigrew could communicate with rats, so, so she for could sure. definitely, I think, communicate with. And and I mean, um, Patfoot, Sirius communicates with him, and he's not even a cat; he's a dog. Right. And they still 
are somehow able to communicate. Because cats and gay okay, cats and dogs can talk. They to each other. can. All right. I mean, definitely, so they understand body language of yeah. each other. Yeah. I think. So anyway, well, so the point is that this is sort of why Professor McGonagall is like, ah, not so sure, Ron. Hermione's kind of told me about you. You're being a bit dramatic yeah. recently. And then she'll go check in with Sir Cadogan. And he's like, certainly, certainly, good lady. Of course I did. Of course yeah. I let someone in. You, but, but, but why? Yeah. He had the passwords. All of them. Whole week's worth. So there you go. And this is this is bad. You know, we we find out that it's it's poor Neville Longbottom at the end of the yeah. chapter. Uh there was an utter silence. So, you know, which person is what McGonagall says, which person? Uh which abysmally foolish person mm-hmm. wrote down this week's passwords and left them lying around. There was utter silence broken by the smallest and terrified squeaks. It's Neville Longbottom, his trembling little hand goes up in the air. Like this, <laughs> my head just did it. I just mimicked his trembling hand. Lottie's crying now, um, and he's like, "Oh, sorry, it's me." So, and then you know, she read on ahead. He gets uh, gets a punishment for this, hey. which is you know he's just trying to be. Part like, of me thinks so that he didn't leave it lying around, but I feel like something else. Well, he dropped it on accident. He yeah, he definitely you know? didn't mean to. That's for sure. But what if? I think Crookshanks might have got to it. You know, they, they, assu- I was going to say, they assume he left it lying around and he is so, he doesn't have confidence and he's like, yeah, probably the others are right. I left it lying around, but he probably didn't. And s- either Sirius or Crookshanks stole it from him. Yeah. I don't. I would say Crookshanks. I mean, it c- could be that he lost it, but also I think, he, I don't think so. Yeah. I, I, I because there's, they seem to be plotting on him they getting are. in there. So, and you know that Sir Cadogan is not going to back down. And Crookshanks probably heard that they told Neville, uh, sorry, that something like, you know, Cadogan changes his passwords all the time. Mm-hmm, and Crookshanks mm-hmm. sees Neville around and notices that he writes his passwords down. Right, right. And is able to kind of, you know, yeah, pick those out of his pocket. that's no coincidence. No, no, not at all. That's another short. Yep. Did Crookshanks steal the passwords from Longbottom? Justice for Longbottom. <laughs> Yes. Yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz in the next chapter we're going to find out. What they do to Neville a lot actually. He gets a lot of punishments for this little thing that is not even really his fault. Yeah, definitely not fair. So, good chapter, fun, exciting, you know, Quidditch match and so on was great and then a little serious black action. Mm-hmm. Too bad Remus Lupin didn't just tell everybody what was up. Yeah. Jamie. <laughs> Looping, let everybody down. Bunch of adults making mistakes in this series. But that's how it is. We all make mistakes. We do, yeah. So, no, I like this chapter. I like the excitement going back to your youth when you had big games going on, and that it's just the best. Yeah. Yeah. So being being the big star of a game is cool, <laughs> but also watching it is cool. Like being in the crowd and cheering your friends on, and just being you know part of this as all the gryffindors they all partying yeah yeah it's it's just so fun yeah yep yep all right you guys sent us some owl post so you want to read uh the one from tyler first and then i'll read jack yeah okay hey fleur and bill i had a couple theories about lord Voldemort that i wanted to run by you both First, when Harry is near a Dementor and hears his mother's scream and the flash of green, I believe that this is not only his worst memory, but also Voldemort's as it's when he lost all that he had worked for and essentially died, which is his worst fear. 
Secondly, the reason I think Dementors affect Harry so badly is because both him having more than one soul and the fact that it's the most evil wizard soul <laughs> that resides inside True. of him. Thank you both for the amazing podcast on my fourth re-listen of all the Shell Cottage wow. radio episodes. Tyler, thank you so much. Oh, let's go. That's incredible. Four times. You got to get more out. Crazy. Uh, you can now, by the way, before we answer your question, you can now also, if you want to change it up a little bit and you have a TV that has access to YouTube, you can now throw on our episodes on YouTube. We're going to upload them one by one, our old episodes with a little bit of ambience going on. So if you enjoy that, you can do that as well. Yeah. A little ambience action happening on the YouTubes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But no, I'd like this. Uh, I, I think this is a good idea that, that the reason they affect him so much is there's extra extra fears there's an extra soul in there that yeah. is having some sort of effect i mean it, it yeah. actually does the scar crux does cause pain mm-hmm. for harry later on in the series right and it does sort of create this bridge or this connection between him and the dark lord so his physical body is going to be feeling so much so many different pains and, and emotions that yeah, it's the fear of of dying or loss that was experienced by the one soul, and then Harry's own fears, uh, his mother's screams. You know, it's terrible. So yeah, all around that does seem like why he's affected even more so. Like we don't we, we I think we said a few episodes ago, and this might be where Tyler is coming from. This at is that we were talking about um, Luna and other characters who have experienced exactly. trauma. Neville. And, Neville and the fact that they're not passing out Mm. the way Harry is. Well, Harry's got a scar crux. You know, he's got more than what a normal person would have to deal with there. Two two souls kind of experiencing agony. Yeah, Tyler, I think it really, really makes sense what you said because other kids lost loved ones. And plus, I, I know Harry also went through a lot of trauma growing up. He didn't only lose his parents, but he never got good foster parents. They were terrible to him. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's yeah. I give I give them that. But again, Neville and his grandmother, she probably loved him more. Definitely, I mean, he had definitely had a better upbringing than Harry, I would say, or mm-hmm. I would think. Yeah. But that doesn't like how do you measure trauma? I feel like that's a bold statement of Lupin to say you're the only one who went through yeah, something like this. Yeah, I think. This. But yeah, but you're just trying to. So in it the makes moment, sense. There's more. Yeah, yeah, there's more. We know there's more. But in, in the moment, as a teacher or whatever, you're just trying yeah. to let that person know that, like, hey, it's you've got a lot going on. Yeah. And you're trying to make yeah, them feel good about what's what's happening and, and be understanding. That so. is true. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Tyler. That's that's awesome. Yeah. So good thoughts for sure. I, um, you know, one of the things I've been wanting to do is actually dedicate shorts to people that I make. That so, is cool, yes. Yeah, it's a, it's an easy way to kind of do like, I don't know, like an extra reward on Patreon or just mm-hmm. for listeners, or people who write in or leave reviews. Um, so if you guys have a thought, I always say it at the end, like if you have a thought or something, I think as you send these in, I might start dedicating, I can put your handle or just even just a shout out mm-hmm. uh, of your name, but I think I'd to like to start doing that. because cool. I like it. People have really good thoughts and ideas that they, that they take the time to write in and... It just, I don't know, creates community. And on the shorts is really fun because there's a lot of people talking about those things and arguing back and forth. Yeah, and and then you can join in the comments and see what they think. And I think it's fun too. It's like the platform that we sometimes want because on the podcast we can't see everybody's thoughts, right? But on the the YouTube short, you can can comment. Lots of people comment on there, so that's cool. Yeah, but thanks, Tyler. Thank you. 
And then from Jack a while ago, uh, Jack wrote in and said he has a question. How would Fred or George have done in the Triwizard Tournament? Could either of them won the whole have won the whole thing, assuming no outside tampering from Barty Crouch Jr. and Sr.? Dang. Could either one of them have won? Well, I think what's interesting there is you have twins mm-hmm. that the Triwizard Cup would have had to, that the Goblet of Fire would have mm-hmm. yeah, dis- distinguished between. Oh, I think, right? they, yeah, they I seem mean, they, very similar, but I think they... I know that there's distinct. I know that there are, but like that, I don't, I've not really thought about them a lot, like separately. Yeah, and what are separate their individual skills. strengths, yes. Right, what would, I think they do have a lot, I feel like Fred is oftentimes a little bit more of a, he's a little more loud, a little mm-hmm. more boisterous, yes. a little more of the leader, Same. and then yeah. George is kind of uh, following, so I feel like if one were to be chosen, it might be Fred, actually. Or maybe there lies within George a silent power that um, you know could be. That Fred doesn't have, and then he compensates a little bit. Could could be <laughs> like absolutely. It's just it's interesting to see the Goblet of Fire choose between twins. Yes, you know. So in so, this case, we would assume not that they're the same. Sorry, guys, I'm not trying to say. It just it's just it's so close that you're sort of like, why? What's right? The? They have very similar experiences because they go everywhere together. Yeah. Not everywhere, but to a lot of places, they do the same things. They have friends. Not all path. twins and hang out and that much. And I was just saying, they are close. That's yes. the other thing too is that they are close, like friends. Yeah. So, so you would assume that it's a normal, normal triwizard tournament. So Harry and Cedric, none of them are chosen. It's only one Hogwarts champion. There's no tampering from the outside from Voldemort's followers. So um, let's say one of them is chosen. Absolutely, I would think they would put on a good show for mm-hmm. everybody. Oh, yeah. A, yeah. And I think they're pretty skilled. Me too. I Me think too. they would have gone very far, and I think they would have had the talent to maybe even win, for sure. I, I think it would have been a very creative way in which they would have yeah. won. They would have used something from their, their snack boxes or their joke box yeah. or whatever. I think they would have used something to try and, like, you know, make it uh, past the like the dragon. They could have maybe got some inside tips from Charlie, perhaps, true, right? True, because <laughs> that was going on for the Triwizard Tournament. Yeah. Everybody was sort of a known thing that yeah. <laughs> you're trying to help your Triwizard champion. It's just true. a part of the everybody does it. You're not supposed to, but everybody does. Yeah. So uh, that yeah that that would have been interesting. Then one of them would have been taken for the second task, oh, right? Oh, yeah, the other twin. Well, the other twin would have, have been had, to been re- had to rescue... Or who knows, Angelina Johnson was also close. Yeah, was right, close. Maybe you know. she was dead, you know? <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, yeah, so there's that, and then getting through the maze, I feel like they would have been fine as well. So I feel like they would have done really well. I just got an idea. You know yeah. what I think they might have? they would have done? Well, they don't really know. Okay, never mind. Had they known, though, that one of their other... Their, the other twin would have been taken, they would have tried to just switch each other or maybe they did would have tried to go through it together and sometimes when everybody thinks it's fred who's out there fighting the dragon or fred is actually not the one rescuing george but the other way around or some tamper they play to their strengths the fact that it's actually the other one (laughs) but like like what if one of them is really good at like getting has a great idea or skill to get past the dragon but then the other one they're sort of like hey why don't you take task number two yeah that would would be be crazy yeah yeah but it's a cool. It's, it's, I think they are definitely very skilled and mm-hmm. very. They they think outside of the box. Yeah. And it feels like that's what you need to win the Triwizard Tournament. For sure. And they have a lot of fans. They definitely would have had a lot of supporters oh, yeah. and that make you feel, you know, you can do this. Right. Right. For sure. And I feel like of the Gryffindors that we that we know and those 
that age range, you know, the older Gryffindors that we mm-hmm. know, they're kind of yeah the leaders, right? They they're, are, they and they're very confident in themselves. They do. They are very upset when they say can't under seventeen, you can't enter. Yeah, yeah. Because they were they were going to enter. Right. Are they better than Cedric? I'm mm, not sure though. I don't know either. I feel like would the Triwizard Cup choose them over Cedric? Yeah, no. Don't know either. So I mean, it, yeah, because they weren't <laughs> they weren't in. They couldn't put their name in. So interesting. Yeah. To think about. yeah. Okay. But cool. cool thought. Thank you, Jack. Yep. <laughs> yeah, except for <laughs> we didn't we didn't finish the name. Anyway, moving on. Let's hear what Irma Pince's recommendation of the week is. So this new segment is kind of like a platform to share really really cool books that made us think that we think are sometimes even life-changing sometimes even small things that you do um, that can make your world a little bit better and the world from others around you other people's worlds around you that makes the world better the same world (laughs) now this week um irma pence's recommendation is the y cafe or the cafe on the edge of the world is the new title i believe so this is written by the best-selling author John Strzelecki, who was born and raised in the suburbs of Chicago. And if you're wondering whether you're on the right path in life, or if you wish your everyday life experience was a little bit different, this book is great food for thought. It first makes you think deeply, and then it clears your mind. Mm-hmm. I first um, encountered this book when I was traveling for four months, just traveling the world a little bit. <laughs> And this is, I feel like it's way more successful in Germany or in German-speaking country or in Europe because when I mentioned this book and the author to you, you didn't know who that was. And not like saying you need to, but I do feel like it's less, people just don't know as much about him and his books here. Yeah, it's like a personal um, development book, self-help book sort of thing, right? And it wasn't one that I was familiar with. Now, Mm -hmm. uh, some of you who knew me five, six years ago would be like, well, of course I just didn't know about it. Um, (laughs) But here in the last couple of years, I have been trying to uh, develop me old self a little bit Mm -hmm. and uh, look into some of these books. And this is not one that I knew about or had Mm -hmm. ever heard about. And you kind of expected like, well, it seems like everyone knows about this. But from Mm -hmm. your uh, home country, it felt that way because a lot more people had read it and then you went and did some research and it seems like there were even what more reviews or something there were more uh uh, there is so on audible there is only the cafe cafe on the edge of the world or the y cafe i think it used to be the y cafe the english title yeah and then they changed it because the german title is das cafe am rande der welt which is the cafe on the edge of the world and i believe because it was so successful in the german-speaking countries they changed it so if people from germany go over to the states or in other countries and they talk about it and they just translate it the way they know it then everybody knows what they're talking about if that makes gotcha. sense yeah, yeah and yeah. also he has more like live seminars in germany a very big german fan base i feel like yeah, yeah. so Um, This book tells a short little story in which the protagonist finds himself accidentally entering a small cafe at a location so remote it stands in the middle of the middle of nowhere. 
Yeah. All the visitor seeks is a quick rest and some food, but then he finds three unusual, trivial, but life-changing questions on the back of the menu. With this food for thought and the guidance of three people at the cafe, the visitor embarks on a journey of self-discovery. Along the way, discovering a new way to look at life, himself, and just how much you can learn from a green sea turtle. Yeah, just just ride the waves, man. Yeah. Can I say this book was a little interesting for me when I first started it? It is. You're going to have to like keep going because it just feels a little strange. Yes. You're like, because a part of you is like, this isn't a real kind of setting that we're all used to in a diner mm-hmm. and you're like are, is this actually happening or is it you not? don't really know that's the thing yeah <laughs> and you're like is this cafe real does that even matter to the whole point of the story not really or the you know so right. it's it's different i've had a quite a journey with this book so when i first read it i'm gonna say this it's something when you first get into self or personal development this is a really good entry book entry level book because this is make it's something that makes you think what am i even doing day in day out right Mm -hmm. when i first started thinking about not just what kind of job do i want to do uh when do i want to start a family where am i going to live right but instead what experiences do i want to have in life and not just occasional experiences like a grant vacation bigger celebrations and that that kind of stuff um but experiences that you have every single day yeah and that helped me that book helped me to see every single day as a new small life Mm -hmm. and these small lifetimes we call days they make up your life as a whole when you add them up yeah right so how would i want to spend my time and this relates a little bit to, um, I don't know if you said it on the podcast or not, but we talked about, so you, you you found that on social media somewhere. If you knew you couldn't fail, how big would you dream? If you knew <laughs> you couldn't fail, how big would you I dream? I love that. Yeah. yeah, you really got to bring energy <laughs> when you say that and put a smile on your face <laughs> when it's said. Uh, yeah. That was great. That was great. Yeah, because that, that, yeah, that's the point is um, it's just all getting into the right the right vibe and yeah. the and the right yeah. you know look being grateful and looking at the world around you and appreciating that day and yeah uh, i used to joke with you that when we met in costa rica you know it's like 11 11 lifetimes but it was a yeah. it was it was 11 days so. yes yeah and it just really motivated me to to think or question what would make me the best person i can be not just yes I, you know the happiest person and then that also makes you the best person because i do believe if we if we tend to our own needs, we're full of you know joy and that fulfillment. That's when we also become a better person for the ones around us. Mm-hmm. And we can give more. We're more kind. We're more generous. We're more patient. Um, we all know when we're under stress, under immense stress, we don't have the patience for anything. We sometimes don't want to, but lash out at people we love. And it's... yeah. Yeah, I know a lot of times uh, when when I'm at work and someone's stressed or kids are stressed or or whatever, they're yeah. If they I work with students, so if they they mislead me or they're like uh, they're they're making excuses or blaming somebody else or whatever, they're they're dealing with stress. Yeah, and they're dealing yes. with it in an immature way at that time. So right. I always say they're kids. Remember that they're kids. And then adults, I look at, I'm like, wow, they've got something else going on. They're yeah. stressed. They're miserable. Yeah. Something's happening that they're not happy with, and uh, therefore it's 
their day's more difficult. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And the cafe and the edge of the world is a slower read. You're right. After rereading it, it was just a, it was a different experience because now I've had the time to think about these things and it's not as, as monumental anymore once I've already thought about it. But this was the entry level for me to think like, wow, I've never, never thought about it that way. Like every day is a little, little lifetime. And what do I do day in, day out? Do I live just for the weekend or do I actually enjoy? Am I looking forward to Monday? Yeah. Yeah. Are you? (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing though. Um, If I feel like I'm not, I can change things. And this is my last point in this. I don't believe that we came into this life to fulfill one single certain purpose that was predetermined somewhere instead i think we're given the choices or the choice you can choose your purpose yeah just being aware of of always having that choice yeah for example how we react to things we can't control or what we do with resources that are given to us or what boundaries we set in our own minds that's a theme that's so prevalent in in the harry potter series the theme of choice yep yeah, for sure. And I think once you believe you have all these choices and you have the power to change your experience, that's very freeing. Yeah, even if you make the the wrong choice or you make a choice that just sort of settles or is comfortable and uh, didn't push you or whatever, you can the next day, right? Yeah. And you just sort of every day is a new opportunity. Uh, so yeah, it was a good book. It was a really cool book. And if you guys want to you know, look into something that is, uh, it's definitely personal development. It talks about your PFE. Yeah. As they call it, your your per- right. This is the one that talked about PFE a yeah. lot, which is your purpose for existing. For, for for existing, yeah. yeah. So, what are you here for? Uh, what are you trying to do in yeah. life? It was yeah. cool, really cool. It was fun. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, uh, friends, that is it for this week. Thank you guys so much for tuning into Show Cottage Radio ninety four point seven C O Z Y. Uh, we do hope that you'll join us in the future, and we thoroughly enjoy meeting new positive Potter people that don't be like babbling, bumbling bands of baboon. Baboon. If you don't want to miss out on the next episode, then be sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us that review and follow us over on social media at Fleur and Bill. If you truly enjoy our content, consider supporting our growing wizarding family on Patreon or Apple Premium. You will find all the links down below. Thanks so much to all our current patrons. We appreciate you to Luna and back. On our next reread episode, we will continue our journey through Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban with Chapter 14, Snape's Grudge. So make sure you tune back in next time. And until then, have a great rest of your week. Thank you for joining us in our Shell Cottage today. We know it's not much, but it's home. This episode number Oh, I can't read. Oh. You can read? What? Didn't know you can read. Knox.